1: We are back with the NBA Exchange. I'm your host, Dexter Henry. Hopefully, everybody out there watching had a great weekend. If you're listening, I hope you had a great weekend as well, too. There was a lot of stuff going on in this NBA weekend, including some wild action, some shocking things I think some of us didn't think we would see, but we will get to that later. Coming up on this episode of the NBA Exchange, we will have my man, Jamoke Davis, host of the Just for Sport podcast. He'll be on here to talk with me. We'll be bouncing around everything, all the hottest topics going on in the NBA, including some news around Ben Simmons that just came out before we started the show. We'll get to that. We'll talk a lot more about different teams around the league, contenders, pretenders, who might be in trouble, who's looking good, who's kind of looking average, who might need to be traded. So much to talk about on this edition of the NBA Exchange. But there's a team in the league that I thought, before this season started, was going to be very interesting in terms of teams and people talking about how good they could be. I think there was a lot of variance on there. They're over-under for wins, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, because it was a while ago, was 48. And that's the Golden State Warriors. But look, Golden State. They are off to a fantastic start. Eight and one, eight and one guys. Only loss was an overtime loss to Memphis, team that seems to have their number right now. But if you've been watching the Warriors, if you've been taking a look at how they've been playing, and I said this before they had played Memphis, they look like a well-oiled machine, and it's just continuing. They're looking good offensively. They're looking good defensively. The role players they've picked up, Nemanja Bialisa, Otto Porter's playing well. Jordan Poole, after a bit of a slow start, is starting to come back on. Damian Lee has been really good for them from downtown. It's just it's just really interesting because they still don't have Clay Thompson, waiting for him to come back. James Wiseman is yet to play a game this season. Those are two starters projected starters, that are not starting for them right now. And when those guys come back, and you wonder how they'll be integrated into the rotation, but you got a guy in Clay if he's even, I don't know, 80% of what he was before, that's a dangerous weapon that helps space in the floor, add some shooting. You move a guy like Damian Lee back to the bench, that really helps, but their role players are played really good. And the thing is, they're confident. When you're listening to the quotes from these guys Curry saying that he's not surprised by the start uh, right now, and he's been fantastic in terms of how he's playing. This is a quote from Curry. We got guys that understand basketball, understand how to play. There's always good intentions of what we're trying to do, even if it doesn't necessarily work out. We're all trying to do the right things and understand the philosophy of how we've got to create shots. And then obviously, defensively, our principles that we need to rely on every night. One of the things I think always gets overshadowed with the Warriors during their run is how good they were defensively. A team that was fun to watch offensively, but they were really solid defensively. And Draymond Green looks good defensively. He looks reinvigorated. The offense for the Warriors looks better. Last year, you didn't see them able to get a lot of these easy shots. But it's like all the pieces are moving right. And it's Andrew Wiggins playing well. They look really good. They can cause a lot of problems for people. And they've had some good wins. Not like they've been beating up on the teams they need to beat up on, but they've had some good wins. Remember, they beat the Lakers opening night. They've, be, they've handled teams. The only blemish is to the Grizzlies. So you wouldn't really think about it. it. was an overtime loss. John Moran took over in that overtime. This is a team that easily could be 9-0. Oh. They have the best record in the NBA right now. Yes, it's a small sample size. theater. We're talking about 9 or 10 games for most teams. It's not something to necessarily get super crazy about. But you got to like what you're seeing from this team. And look, they got another test tonight on a back-to-back. They got the Hawks coming in. Hawks are on a tough road trip. We'll get to that later because we'll talk about this in my NBA picks later in the show. We'll talk about this matchup, but they got a good test on a back-to-back. Good teams. I like to see what they can do when they're challenged on a back-to-back, even at home. That's very interesting. So I I think people are going to start taking notice. You know, Maybe you, you thought the Warriors could be middle of the pack, but if they keep playing well and they look like a team that knows their system, believes in their system, trust in their coaching, and I think when you see things like that, that's why it's easy to say, okay, when Wiseman comes in. There's questions about Wiseman. Will he look as lost as he did last year? Maybe, maybe not. Don't know. Clay Thompson, this is a guy that knows the system. He's going to come in and be a smooth fit. It's almost like a nice free agent addition. Now, I think everybody should still pump the brakes on what he can do. He has not played basketball in two years. We do not know what he's going to look like. But I think he'll fit in well. And I think if, you can get, if they can get him back with two months to go before the playoffs, get him in some game action, obviously they stay healthy, the Warriors can be dangerous because they can still shoot, they can space the floor, they got guys buying in, and with that team, there's always going to be a potential of talking to, for them about a possible trade. Yes, no, I don't think it'll be Ben Simmons, but who knows? Maybe they want to add another veteran. But right now, man, the role players are clicking. Steph looks good. Draymond looks good. The Warriors, man, they, they got to take them seriously. I think what they're able to do in the next 15 to 20 games is going to mean a lot. It's going to matter a lot for them how they build on this eight and one start. Because we've seen some teams, you know, when it was three and one, four and one, and some of those teams have come crashing back to earth. And we're not talking about them in the same way. So again, this is still a very small sample size. But I think for a lot of teams, where they are right now, nine to 10 games, what they do over the next 10 to 15, so we get to that 25-game mark is really, really and truly going to be telling for maybe what some of these teams can do this season. All right. Now, I talk about the team that I root for and my producer Greg Roots for. Last night, the New York Knicks. And New York Knicks had an eventful weekend because they had a fantastic win against the Milwaukee Bucks on Friday. They were down 19 in this contest. I thought the game was over. I was about to switch it to another game, do my Friday night league pass watching. I was about to be done with this. But the Knicks fought back. They came back probably easily their best win of the year. They beat the Milwaukee Bucks handily. It was almost a 20-point swing in this this game. So very impressive win for the Knicks. A lot of guys played well, including R.J. Barrett, Derrick Rose, Julius Randle. They really played good defense, didn't fall in love with the three-point shot, like myself and John Smelk talked about on Friday, Knicks got off to a bad start shooting once again. And then they were able to find their stroke. They attacked the rim. They did what he needs to do defensively. It was good. So you're feeling good if you're a Knicks fan. You're Like, okay. All right. Got Cleveland on Sunday. Back at home. This should be a win. But nah, my producer Greg, he, he knew it. He's like, this is one of these trap games. It's one of these games you might want to worry a little bit about. And I wasn't particularly worried. But here's what I didn't expect. Here's what nobody expected. Ricky Rubio. Yes. And this is no shade. This is somebody who likes Ricky Rubio, people. I like Ricky Rubio, right? Ricky Rubio was going off, off. He hit his first eight threes in this contest. Ricky Rubio was looking like Steph Curry out there. And here's the thing. A lot of it wasn't for the Knicks not trying on defense. It wasn't the Knicks not doing their thing. It's just Rubio was in the zone. Sometimes this happens. I I wasn't particularly annoyed with the Knicks' defensive effort. I thought the interior defense was trash. I don't think that was really good. I think a lot of Knicks fans would agree with that in this game. But Ricky Rubio was giving him buckets. I mean, when do you ever say that? When does anybody ever say that? Ricky Rubio was giving him buckets. And, I mean, it was crazy. Ricky Rubio, career high. With best shooting night of his career, he drops a career-high 37 points, man. And it's Cavs. They improved to seven to four. Now, what did I tell y'all? We did a preseason NBA exchange. We did some over-unders. I liked the Cavs. The over-under was 26. They're now at seven wins. I like that. They were my sleeper pick for over-under to take the over with them. I liked it. They're making it work with a lot of big guys, and that's very impressive. But back to Rubio. His previous career high was 34 against San Antonio. That's when he was with Utah back in 2018. But, man, he was killing them. I know Knicks fans are sick about this. I know you're used to better shooters coming into the garden and giving you the blues and giving you that work. But, yeah, nobody expected Ricky Rubio. I think this is one of these games where, as a fan, you just got to, like, throw your hands up and be like, all right, like, didn't think that was going to happen. Didn't know that was going to happen. Can't get too down about it. Now, the concerning thing, if you go back to the Knicks for a second, is Knicks fans are going to say, well, we saw this last week against Indiana. Greg and I were doing this Knicks watch for this game. We talked about that. Uh, Miles Turner was killing them from downtown. So that was a little bit concerning. But I say pump the brakes. I don't know if Ricky Rubio is going to shoot like that again. But let's give Rubio some credit. Rubio's been good for Cleveland. Now, he's been taking away some minutes from Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton hasn't shot the ball as well as he had last year. But Rubio's been really good for them. He's a stabilizing veteran presence. He knows how to get the guys involved. He's finding Jared Allen. He's finding Evan Mobley, who looks really good. Evan Mobley looks really good. And he's really killing the inside. Those two guys killed the Knicks on the inside. I thought there was more to that than some of the outside shooting, hot outside shooting that we saw from the Cavs in the second half. I think they were 12 or 15 in the second half from downtown. But inside, they were getting whatever they wanted to, which was a little bit more concerning for me with the Knicks because they're usually pretty good on the interior. but Cleveland, I don't know if they're for real, but I like the start. I think it matters for them as a team trying to rise with a lot of young guys, a lot of forwards. J.B. Bickerstaff trying to get the culture set with that team. That stuff matters. We saw this last year with the Knicks. Funny we're talking about them with the Knicks. We saw this stuff happen with the Knicks as they're getting their culture set. And there's a couple of teams like that I think you should watch. The Cavs, the Wizards, what is happening with those teams. Even the Kings, I might add as well, too, that are around 500 or above 500. And it's like, is the culture changing in those places? Something to definitely keep your eye on. Well, I don't know. Maybe this, maybe this will continue for Ricky Rubio. He was a career 32% shooter. He was lights out last night. Wasn't good for the Knicks, but damn sure was good for the Cavs. Okay, last thing in terms of news and notes from the weekend. And this one was kind of the thing that this was one of the most exciting things, but everybody wasn't that excited. And, Greg, I want you to get the video ready of uh, Luka Doncic with the game winner. So this was Friday night. All
0: right, Try to do it to us again. Here he comes. Richardson, the defender. There's that little hop. He takes it. Oh,
1: Are you great. kidding
0: me? Are you kidding me?
1: Do you see that? Celtics, Mavs tied at 104, did the Celtics' announcers even care? Did they want to be there? They had, like, no excitement at all whatsoever. I understand you're not supposed to get super excited for your team when somebody hits a dagger, game-winning shot against you, but you got to have some emotion to it, you know? Some. I've I've seen this happen before. Like, even when Ricky Rubio was killing the Knicks last night, Mike Green is, like, letting it know that he's killing the Knicks. Like, the Celtics are just like, ugh why are we here? We lost again. It's not like they didn't want to be there. They are upset. Like, we got to talk about this. There's some, there's some broadcasts, there's some play-by-play teams. Woo! Y'all either be way too much on the homerism or y'all just be mailing it in. That was just, like, damn. This was a great shot by Luka Doncic over three defenders. He hits it. I understand you don't want to go, yeah, Luka Doncic hit this and, you know, he's killing the team. You don't want to have that energy. But, I mean, could you act like you want to make the call? Like. It, When Jamoke comes on, we're going to have to talk about this. Because some of these announcers, well, they are terrible. Terrible. I tell you. Got to be better than that. All right. Luka Doncic, big win for the Mavs coming up there. There's also wins by the Heat over the Jazz this weekend. So some good stuff going on in the NBA. Certain teams look like they're starting to establish themselves. Other teams, not so much. We are going to take a break. When we come back, I have my man Jamoke Davis. From the Just for Sport podcast, we're going to go around the NBA. There he is. You'll see him when we come back on NBA Exchange. We are all adjusting to this new climate together. We're doing things a little bit differently because the world is different since the last time we did a podcast. And we are still bringing you the podcast you love while living that quarantine life you use deodorant every day or no? Yes. During the quarantine? Hell yeah. Still discussions of sports, music, and pop culture, in a pod where it ain't hard to tell who keeps it real. Don't say that you don't see race. Whenever you say you don't see race, it just shows me how privileged you are in a situation that you don't ever have to think about race. No, look at the words I'm using. Perhaps, possibly, maybe. Is it the smartest thing? Probably not. Is it too soon? I would say so. I went through so many things being short and just people would always underestimate me and always tell me, like, you're not going to make it. You're not going to... Max, come on, son. We just talked about this. Whether you listen or watch, stay home, be safe, and subscribe to the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast on YouTube or your favorite audio streaming platforms today. and each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become a patron today. All right, welcome back to the NBA Exchange. I'm your host, Dexter Henry. As I said, we are back. We got a guest for today, it is Jamoke Davis. He is the host of the Just for Sport podcast, also a fellow alum of the University of Pittsburgh, the best school that there is out there. You know what's up, Jamoke. Jamoke, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm good. You all right? Excited. Are you excited? That's good, man. I'm excited. Well, it's good. Also, I should mention, if you, you like Jamoke and I together, you get to hear us tonight on the ColorCast app. We will be calling the Steelers game. Versus the Chicago Bears, we're hoping for a beatdown at Heinz Field. You can uh, check us out there, and we do a show every Friday. Not Yen's regular Steelers show. If you're not from Pittsburgh, you're not gonna know what Yen's means, but you, nah, know, nah. You, know, you, you, should, you should you should figure it out. Uh, yeah. Jamoke, uh, I'm glad you are well. Your Washington Wizards are looking kinda well. We'll get to them a little bit later, but things are not well for everybody in the NBA. There are these investigations going on. Robert Sarver might be out here wilding. Uh, Neil O'Shea, general manager for the Trailblazers, might have contributed to a toxic work culture. What do you make of these investigations right now? And this isn't a good look for the NBA. How soon do you think these things need to be resolved? Because they're not going away anytime soon.
0: Yeah. I think the tough part is, you know, for a team and the league, You want to make sure that you are doing a thorough investigation. If you look at the Phoenix Suns and Earl Watson has been, you know, the name you're seeing a lot saying, oh, I had this conversation with Sarver, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and it's like, of course, Sarver's like, no, I never said that. You know, so I think that it really is something that in terms of liability, um, the amount of what I would call oversight by the league, like, when you're going on 17 years, you're telling me in 17 years you never heard anything? Nothing ever came out that made you say, yo, we need to look into this. So it's like, come on, how does it take this long for things to kind of matriculate through the system before you say enough is enough? That's where I'm like, so I understand that you kind of have to go through the process to understand, like, okay, where were the issues? Because the thing is, not just with owners, we're talking about general managers, and I'm sure this happens in multiple organizations, not just with the general manager of a team, but on the business side of the office. Like, you got to not just think that when you're looking at what's going on with the team and the culture, that you got to really look at the culture of everyone who's in decision-making processes, not just the owners, not just whoever's in charge of basketball operations. because. It trickles down from there, yes, but that culture permeates. And you think about who they hire, and then you look at okay, your your hire maybe somebody who agrees with your mentality in the way that you were treating. If Sarver's saying, you know, uh, he's treating people like they're his property, well, you think in many ways the people you hire also may have that same mindset. So the league has a
1: lot of work to do to try to figure out what's going on here. No, I'm glad you said all that. And I think it's definitely needs to be noted on that, that work culture. We shouldn't just look at the owners or governors. You want to call whatever you want to call them. Like you said, this trickles down. If you have worked in a toxic work environment, if you've experienced any of this, I have. If you have done this, then you know this too, Jamoke. If you have done this, then you know how this stuff trickles down. It's not just the people at the top. They are responsible, but you know this stuff trickles down. Do you think that we're going to see the NBA take this seriously? Because I think you also made another good point, Jamoke, in that things have been going on for 17 years or multiple years and that you haven't <laughs> heard anything, right? There's, a, I think it's layered because it's like, look, there's hotlines for people to call. And you might say, well, why aren't people calling the hotlines? Well, a lot of it is intimidation and maybe feeling they're going to lose their job and especially in these economic times. Right. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. do you, do you believe that the league is going to take a serious look, not at just in Phoenix, not just in Portland, but maybe league wide through the cultures of these different offices and organizations. And do you think that'll happen? Cause it's almost like it's what needs to happen. We kind of need that reckoning. I don't think anything
0: is going to be groundbreaking with any of these investigations what you're going to have happen is there's going to be a scapegoat. It's going to be one person that is going, that they're going to hope that, hey, let's just go. Hey, Sarver, you can't own the Phoenix Suns anymore. Let's move on. and And that will kind of wash over any of the issues. Similar to the NFL with the Washington football team and John Gruden. You think just because they got rid of John Gruden, it's like, oh, no, that's the end of it? No. So I don't think that there will be enough. That will be done in terms of really changing the culture within the league, but more so within that organization. I think that's something that can take years. And again, the investigation needs to go beyond just saying, oh, it was the owner. Right. I mean, you look at the Clippers, you know, you could kind of say that Donald Sterling by getting rid of Donald Sterling, uh, maybe that was kind of like the end of it, because in many ways, yes, you know, the the phone call that came out that was secretly recorded, you think that's just him, but no, it isn't. And we know that, but the problem is exactly what you said. Yeah, you could have a hotline, but it's one thing to say, okay, we're going to make sweeping changes versus one person. Let's just remove that one person. Everything's fine. Everything's rosy. And that's never the case. And I think it's really difficult for the league to try to figure out, okay, How do we tackle the issue so that for fans, but really more so for the employees that they feel comfortable that they are in a safe working environment? And that's what they've got to tackle. That if they're that, yes, I work for an NBA team. There is a hotline. If you call that hotline, you got to know that that hotline actually is a hotline where people are listening. And it's not just thinking, let's just give people an outlet to just talk. Almost like gossiping, but you're not Mm -hmm. really going to do anything, especially if you're concerned that the owner is like, well, where's my liability in this? If you're the league, who are you protecting first? It's the ownership group. Come on. Let's be realistic. It's not like the NBA is going to turn on, you know, let's say if the hotline had a bunch of allegations for 16 other teams and all of a sudden there's going to be 16 investigations going on that you're going to hear about it on a national scale. You're really not. In the end, the league wants everything to be quiet and let's mm-hmm. just focus on the basketball. And that's the unfortunate thing. Because for the employees, we know how important like to have a job. I mean, everybody I told, oh yeah, I work for the Washington Wizards. Oh, that's cool. So you don't want to lose your job. So you're not really calling the hotline because you don't want to have a spotlight put on you. Mm-hmm. And that makes it very difficult
1: to really address real concerns within an organization. I think you make another great point, Shimoke, in that about people not wanting to come forth, whether it was in Phoenix. Because I think when people look at Baxter Holmes' article that came out about Robert Sarver, and I talked about this on Friday, and Baxter talked to 70 different people, right? Not a lot of people were willing to go on the record. Now, Earl Watson put his name on it, but he's got financial security from being an NBA player and a head coach, right, and a coach Mm -hmm. in this league. Um, I'm forgetting uh, my, the Corliss Williamson also put his name on the record as well, too, and he's had some financial security. So those guys are a little bit different, and that's not to poo-poo them putting their name on the record. It matters. Mm-hmm. The thing is, what I think people don't trust. I don't care where it is that you work. Most people don't trust HR because they know oh. that HR isn't really for them. You know, right. HR is like HR is kind of a lot of the way that certain communities look at the police. Like it's not really for us, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think that's how people feel about HR in that way. And I can say this as somebody who's worked in a toxic work culture and went to HR and complained about things and had things on record and had people from HR pretty much look at me like, all right, just, just keep your head down and keep your work going, right? right? And this is what people are afraid of, and this is why people don't speak out, particularly women, and women getting shamed a lot, right? Or black and brown folks, which is the problems in here, getting shamed a lot. So you're right. There has to be wide-sweeping changes for this to, for this for these investigations to matter, Jamoka. It has to... We have to see that. I don't know when that comes, but yeah. we'll see. All right. Let's actually I mean, some basketball.
0: Go ahead, go, go. Okay, talk some basketball. I just want to say one thing. You look at Earl Watson, right? He last coached for Phoenix in 2018. Yep. All this time, you never had anything to say? All of these times, you're saying that Sarver was using the N-word. And, I, and it's it's good that he's coming out now. Yeah, but that's where even for head coach, with all that security,
1: he, he was still like, "Didn't feel comfortable, right?" Nope. He still didn't feel comfortable, right? And it, and it's and I know what you're saying. It's not something you're not saying. What so other people might be like? Well, why did you say nothing? This isn't victim shaming. This is just saying the problem exists and why he didn't feel comfortable to come out at that yep. time and say that something was wrong. That's the problem, and that's something we we should look at. All right, Jamal. Okay, so let's talk some basketball, actual basketball. So I don't know if you saw this because you and I have talked about possible Ben Simmons trades over the uh, last month or whatever. And I know you were a fan of possibly swapping Ben for Kyrie. But now, according to Shams Sharania of The Athletic, the Celtics are interested in uh, Ben Simmons. And this is from Shams. The Celtics have engaged in conversations with the 76ers revolving around Simmons and expressed interest in the six foot eleven guard. Sources tell The Athletic talks have been fluid with no traction as yet. Those sources say... Any potential Simmons deal with the Celtics would have to include all-star forward Jalen Brown, a sending talent who's in the midst of another career season, averaging 25.6 points, 6.1 boards, two and 2.5 assists. The Celtics, as everybody knows, they have been off to a 4-6 and six start, recently lost to Dallas, as I talked about before, on Saturday night. All right, Jamoke, if you're the Celtics, are you trading for Ben Simmons and getting Jalen Brown out of there? No, no. That would be the dumbest trade
0: that the Celtics could make because they're already ready dealing with a toxic culture. What do we have to do a players only meeting like three days ago? You need to bring in a player who says he's mentally not ready to play basketball, can't shoot. And you're giving up a shooter in Jalen Brown. Now, I'll give you this. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Definitely. There's some issues there. Who is the alpha? Who's the one? Who's 1A? I think that that's causing a riff. Obviously, you don't see any Jalen Brown commercials compared to you seeing Jason Tatum everywhere in commercials. Everybody loves Jason Tatum. So I think in a situation like that, I would not necessarily bring in a Ben Simmons because I think that you give up too much firepower. The Celtics would be taking a step back. And and not being able to, I understand it's difficult for the Celtics right now. But you got to find a way to make it work. I think you brought this up in your NBA Exchange uh, podcast uh, on Friday about the number of dynamic duos. And you, I didn't hear you say one that I was like, man, they could have done something. Tracy McGrady and Vince Carter. That's what I Mm -hmm. think of when I think of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They're both swing players who are dynamic. And it's like, you've got to find a way to play together. You bring in Ben Simmons. I I just, I think you lose the firepower. I think that, you know, what do you do in terms of his style of play? He can't shoot jumpers. Are you really going to have your point guard be backing down players? I just don't think it works. And the reason why I love the Kyrie Irving is not just because of the vaccine and the ridiculous mayor who backpedaled uh, you know, two days after he's like, I'm going to change the vaccine mandate. Let me revisit it. No, you weren't. Like it's perfect because Kevin Durant and and James Harden can play off the ball and then you just have Ben Simmons. All he has to do is bring up the ball. He's a great defender. You can put him on the best player. It just works. And I think when you, t- you talk about, oh, well, the 76ers want the best player they can get out of a deal or draft picks, You're just not really gonna get that. At some point, he's just gonna hold out.
1: You're just gonna be stuck with Ben Simmons. I mean, if you can get, if on the Sixers' side, if you can get Jalen Brown, I think that's pretty dope. For that's pretty dope for them. If they can't, I'm with you. What this says to me, and I spoke with somebody who's around the Celtics right before the show, and the person said to me, the only thing that makes sense is that there's possibly serious beef between Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, which you alluded to. And this is why this is getting out there, being floated out there. You know, my producer, my producer Greg also said to me, well, it could also mean Marcus Smart maybe wants out or they'd get it, package him in a deal as well, too. I mean, he's a very tradable contract and that makes a lot of sense to me. But I don't see why. Look, I I can't, you know, I'm about to, I had to stop myself. Generally, we say, I don't see why you would give up two young, transcendent wing scores like this. But we've seen this happen before. Like you said, T-Mac and Vince Carter, we've seen these things not work before. I talked about Marbury and Garnett. I talked about that back in the day. We've seen this not happen before. So I, I don't know. But if I'm the Celtics, I'm with you. This doesn't do anything. No. This doesn't move the needle. And like yeah. I think it helps the Sixers more than it would help the Celtics because I think they'd be getting back the better player in the trade. I, th- I think all- they would. And I also
0: think for the Celtics, the worst thing that they could have done, and it's not so much what they could have done, but Brad Stevens being in the front office, that's just a mistake. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, if this team has any turmoil, what is everybody going to say? Oh, we want Brad Stevens back on the sideline. It's not like the opposite, like in San Antonio, when Greg Popovich came out of the office to coach. This is Brad Stevens is still looming over the organization where any time there's going to be – Any sort of uh, culture shock, uh, turmoil, everyone's just going to be like, oh, yeah, we need to go back to Brad Stevens. I think that that team and that organization is in turmoil all around. There's a reason why Brad Stevens is like, yo, I don't even want to coach anymore. I want to be on the sideline. It's just too much, too many egos. I cannot handle managing everybody on that team. I just think it's just more of the same. And you are going to have to break it up, but I don't think you break it up. For Ben Simmons. I,
1: I think he just brings more drama. Yeah, no, I, I think you make really good points there. And same thing Gerard had said the other day. He was wondering about did Brad Stevens go upstairs because he was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Maybe, nope. maybe, maybe he did. All right, well, like the Sixers, let's look at the Sixers a bit because they're off to a good start. They're eight and two without Ben Simmons and their mm-hmm. offense has been really good. Do you believe this Sixers offense is real? They don't have a lot of playmakers but they're shooting the ball really well. They Embiid is not having amazing numbers, but they're getting the job done. Do you believe in the Sixers' offense?
0: I believe in the Sixers' offense. I don't know if it's right to say this, but they kind of remind me of, like, the Pistons back in the day mm. when, when you didn't... You know, nobody was dominant. Remember, like, Tayshaun... What was that? Tayshaun Prince. Tayshaun Prince, Rep Hamilton. Baller, right. right? You just got some good guys that seem to just play well together, and they've been galvanized because the bottom line is whether you want to admit it or not, Ben Simmons is toxic. It's like, yo, we're better without him. Mm. Even Maz, I'm like, oh, he's not bad. Tyrese Maxey. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, DeVise Harris is dealing with COVID and trying to come back from that, but I like Danny Green, even Andre Drummond, Seth Curry. You know, the lesser curry, you know, maybe not as spicy, but I just like the team. The issue for me is, can Doc Rivers win? That's where I'm like, okay, this is going well and good during the regular season, but we know in Philly what they want is an NBA championship. That's all that matters. No, 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 no. Really? They,
1: they they just want to boo. That that's what they really
0: want. They just want to boo. <laughs>
1: that's what they want.
0: <laughs> so ride the wave, ride the wave, Philly, while you can, but. They will turn on you fast. But I just like the way this team is playing. Um, You know, Matisse Thibault, I think, is probably one of the more underrated defenders in the league. And I just feel like they're just like, we're good without Ben. We're we're fine. We're going to be just fine. And just trade them. And, And I think the team will be better. Will be better. But I feel like because they are playing so well the way they are now, maybe draft picks isn't such a bad thing. Like, don't think about, oh, we need we need another star player. Maybe you just need to stockpile the draft picks to get younger, you know, because if you look at the roster, yeah, they're good, but Danny Green I ain't going to be there that long. Right. You know, Kirk Curry is an old, old, but you don't know how much longer he's got. Same for Tobias Harris.
1: You can infuse a little bit more youth. No, it's, it'll be interesting. And I do like what you're talking about in terms of how Simmons not being there is sort of this rallying cry for this team. And the team is now unified around this, and they're off to this 8-2 start. All right, speaking of good starts as well, the Warriors, I talked about them at the top of the show, 8-1. and one. Mm-hmm. I think they look good, Jamoke, like a well-oiled machine. The role players are playing good. And here's the thing, there's no James Wiseman yet. There's no Klay Thompson here yet, right? You can fit those guys in, and you think they would fit well. Are the Warriors contenders? Because do you really feel like they can contend for the Western Conference title or NBA title?
0: I mean, the crazy thing is that we act as if they were bad. You know, I think that for me, Golden State is still one of the teams that you put in that dynasty category. I mean, they won in 2017, 2018, lost in 2019. But I still think they fall into that same dynasty category. And as you mentioned, y'all better watch out when Klay comes back. He could be on fire. He doesn't need to worry about the changes to foul calls. He wasn't getting those ridiculous. He didn't need to go to a line. He can shoot from deep. I think you get James Wiseman back. I mean, this team is really, really good. And I am surprised at how well they're playing, even despite the fact that Draymond Green is one of the more overrated players in the league. And, you know, I think you got Gary Payton, the second, playing out of this world. Was he
1: a wizard for a while? What he was. He's, he's bounced around. He's a really good defensive player, though. Like Can't that, the list, but he's a really good defensive player. He is. He's fantastic. Like, Where the heck
0: did he come from? And I love the respect that he gave to, to Clay. Yo, I'm going to be happy when I'm on the sideline being able to watch him play. I love the, the shout-out they gave to Mark Jackson the other night. You see Clay I love Scott? that. I mean, because, you know, I mean, Steve Kerr, really good coach. Really good coach. Right. isn't that much different than when John Gruden took over for Tony Dungy? Like, we knew uh, it was Tony Dungy's team. Come on.
1: Right. Right. It's it's not it's not that much different uh, uh, there. But I was glad to see Mark Jackson get some love there because I think it's often forgotten the foundation that he set with that team. Mm-hmm. I think that gets that gets overlooked. Okay, we're going to move to another team. And this team, you know, if, if I, my man Brian Fonseca, who hosts the Ain't Stuff podcast when he was here he'd be jumping for joy, doing backflips and all kinds of other nonsense. Okay. Heat culture. Hashtag heat culture, Jamoke. Is it real? Are you feeling the heat? I think it was a couple of games ago they were the number one rated offense in the league. They've bumped down a little bit uh, between that. Tyler Hero's hot. He's out here lighting it up down there in South Beach. He's doing the thing. We'll have some heat riders on in the next couple of days to talk about this. But are you a believer in hashtag Heat culture, are they for real? Are you putting them in the class up there with the Brooklyn Nets? I know the Bucs are struggling. They're 4-6, and but they've had some injuries. What do you think of the Heat? I think they're a very interesting team, but what do you think about the Heat?
0: I think that Tyler Hero, he got through his sophomore slump, and he's back. I think that they wanted a point guard that could bring a different Way a style of play. I'm talking about in Kyle Lowry, you know, championship level playing as well. Obviously, they won a championship with Toronto, but I think he just changed the culture. But they wanted a different leader. Not mm. that Jimmy Butler isn't a leader, but you always, in my mind, you you the team is built around the whatever point guard you have, and I think in this case. Kyle Lowry was the perfect point guard to bring in, even though I know there were rumors that it might be John Wall, but Kyle Lowry was the perfect point guard to bring in to kind of change the way this team was going to play. I think Bam Adebayo is underrated as not just a defensive threat, but offensively, I think he's really good. The key for me that I'm going to keep talking about is the point differential. The Heat have the best point differential in the Eastern Conference, second in the league. And that shows that, obviously, Pat Riley, defense, defense, defense. They have always pushed that. And I know that Pat Riley's not the head coach, but that trickles down into Eric Spolstra, who's being there. Shout out to my guy, C.B. Karam Butler, on the team as an assistant coach. Um, I just like their culture. Miami is always, in my mind, I know this is crazy, maybe you disagree with this,
1: they remind me of an old school Knicks team. Well, that's I mean, what I, that's what I feel. Yeah, like. No, I, I can, no, no, no. I don't. I don't disagree with that at all. I actually don't disagree with that at all. I and mean, they were, they were, they're better offensively, but they kind of remind me of those teams in that old school Knicks Miami battle. They're going to muck it up. They're going to get dirty with you. They're playing really good defense. They're going to get physical. You saw that the other night against the Jazz. They had a 19 point lead. They blew it on, at the end practically. But. They had a 19-point lead. They closed them out. They're tough. They're getting physical with Gobert. Bam looks good. There's things I like. The only thing I worry about is it's a little bit like the Knicks. I don't think the Knicks have more playmakers than them right now. Not as good defensively. But I just worry about some of their late-game execution on offense. Mm -hmm. But I think, Jamoke, and this is where Brian's going to get excited, I think that they can make it tough for a team like the Nets. I don't think they'll beat them. But they can make it tough. They've got guys that can get under the skin of Durant and Harden and you wonder how that goes. But yeah, they're a team to watch. They look, they look good. I can't knock and I think the point differential is a great point about them. Yeah. They look good and they're dominating teams right now. They they only had, you know, really one alarming loss, you know, you 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 can say, but like they look good, man. They look good yeah. right now. And 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 there's no reason to think that, that they can't keep this up. If Tyler Hero's playing like this. The only thing that's been bad about them is Duncan Robinson hasn't shot the ball well. I think he's only shooting like 32%. He hasn't shot the ball well. But if he ever starts getting it going, it could they they could be they could be uh interesting. Okay. You and probably now saw a
0: yeah, game West Coast trip. Let's right. see how it do, you know, on the road. I think that's gonna be another uh tough, not just a tough road trip. I mean, you got Lakers, Clippers, Jazz, Oklahoma City Thunder, and you start with Denver
1: tonight uh let's see and we might be saying something different about the heat after five game west coast trip. <laughs> we, we we might i are supposed to after that five game west coast trip we should have one of their beat riders on i spoke with them yesterday it was like they want to come on the show after the five game west coast trip so yeah we might be talking a little differently about hashtag heat culture and might not have brian and uh my man timmy shaking the pom-poms but you know we'll, we'll see we'll see how that goes uh what do you think what do you make of the mavericks uh my boy kp is back Uh, You saw Luka Doncic with the Magic the other night, hitting a fallaway shot over three Boston Celtics. Are the Mavs contenders? They're up to six and four. They've started playing a little bit better lately. Are you buying the Mavs?
0: Nah, not really. (laughs) I mean, to me, you, you need more than one superstar on that team. And I think they have some really good role players. Right. But outside of that, it's really Luca. And I just don't know if Luca can carry a team to a title. I mean, who else on that roster scares you? Who else on that roster are you like, okay, they can be counted on on a consistent basis every night? You know, Tim Hardaway Jr. as you know from the Knicks. Stop okay. It.
1: Okay. I thought I thought you were about to say you oh, no no, Tim no no Jr. No. I was like, please, no. <laughs> I know I know about all that. I wanted to drive him to the airport. I'll drive him to JFK <laughs> as soon as possible. I know about that. I just feel like they're just an okay team.
0: And then you also add to the fact, again with that playoff that uh point differential, they're in a minus. You know, they're they're winning games. You know, like you're saying, game winning shots by Luca. And I think when you, what I saw from Luca last year in the playoffs is a whiner. He's going to be calling for calls. And I think the refs are just saying, I'm not really buying it. I mean, okay, four and one at home, two and two on the road. I think they're okay. And realistically, you look at this team, they're averaging, you know, just over 100 points per game, but they're giving up their defense. It's 106. 106, they're not a good team. They just got lucky in a few games, and I don't see them continuing to stay near the top in the Western Conference. I just don't see it.
1: Yeah, it's hard, hard for me to buy them unless I see KP consistently on the court. He just came back from being injured again. You know, he leads the league along with Anthony Davis and trips to the locker room. So I, I just, yeah, it's hard for me to say. And this is somebody who's a Luca fan. Yeah. I'm just like, I, I'm with you. I don't think they have enough around him. And I wonder how it starts getting late early there in Dallas where he starts saying, like, look, y'all got to give me some more help. You brought me KP. He's not getting the job done. We need somebody else.
0: We, Remember last year they AP wanted to trade him? I mean, there were rumors where he's like, yo, get him out of here. Who would want KP? No, he's stuck with them.
1: It sucks because, like, I'm obviously, you know, back when KP was with the Knicks, I think a lot of people were really high on him. You know, it's not talent for KP. You just can't stay on the floor. It's It's yeah. nothing to do with... His talent, I think he's a good number two. He just can't stay on the floor. Neither you know? can Davis,
0: but he's top 75 in the
1: league. Well, yeah, yeah, I, t- I talked about that with Jenna <laughs> Levicelli the other day. Uh, I don't think he deserved to be on the list, I don't think he had done enough, but you know, no. you know, they, they, didn't, they didn't give us the votes, Jamoke. So it's, 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 it is, it is what it is. All right, which you talked about the Met. Do you think there's any NBA teams in trouble though, Jamoke, when you look at this? You look at some teams that might be underperforming. The Bucks come to mind at four and six, although I think they've dealt with a lot. Are, there any, are the Lakers five and five? Are there any teams that you think are in trouble? And noted about the Lakers, two losses to the Oklahoma City Thunder.
0: Uh, that's the first team that I would say is in trouble because for all you Laker fans out there, you're like, oh yeah, we got the old vets. That also means that their legs and their body in terms of how they're able to stay in shape and, you know, feel young, they're only going to get older as the season comes up. Shot, with shot. SGA look like he could run circles around whoever you threw on the court for the starting five. Just teams that are younger are going to constantly give the Lakers trouble. And bottom line is, I don't know if they're the oldest team, but they got to be one of, if not they, the They are the team. oldest team. They are they're the oldest team. team. And don't forget, Anthony Davis already out again. Stomach illness, right? That's your young stud. He, it's not going to get any better for the Lakers as the season goes on. So that's the team that I feel like if you're like, yo, who's in trouble early? It's the Lakers. LeBron, like, I mean, listen, I, I like LeBron too. How many times are we going to get to celebrate one dunk? You're like, oh, I can't believe he can dunk like this after 19 years. Yeah, but just because you see one dunk doesn't mean over the course of an entire season, which, by the way, last year was the first year he had a long injury in his career because he's breaking down. All of the guys on that team, for the most part, are guys that are going to be breaking down because they're old. It's nothing against them. They're great. Carmelo Anthony keeps scoring points. Keep working your way up the scoring leader list. But you're old, and it's going to show in the playoffs. That's the team I'm most concerned about in the Western Conference. In the East, it's the Atlanta Hawks. Your head got big. I think that in terms of um, uh, Trey, I feel like his head got big. But also, I think that realistically for the team, the makeup of the the Hawks and the Pacers, I think they're just kind of starting slow. That those would be the two that I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I know they're only four and six, but they lost three in a row. Three in a row. I don't know if the Hawks gonna be it this year after the after the I, I would say the Cinderella run they did last year.
1: Yeah, they got a tough West Coast trip that they're on right now, uh that isn't getting any easier. Golden State tonight and some other teams coming up. So it's it's gonna be really tough for them. We'll get to that uh in a second. The Nets, they're streaking, they've won five in a row. After a two and three start, they're now seven and three. Are you buying the Nets, turning things around, or do they still need Kyrie? Are they waiting for Kyrie to come back and take them to another level and a higher plane of free thinking?
0: This is this is probably the toughest one for me because I, I don't think they need Kyrie. But as we all talked about last season, and I think it's the same for this season, is you really have a situation where, once again, how long are you going to go without having the, the dynamic trio on the court at the same time? That's where I have an issue. Their defense is not very good, but they can fill it up. You know, I think the fact that they are 7 and 3 and we haven't even seen James Harden having a really good season so far. Will I say that they're one of the they're not old like the Lakers, but like LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, James Johnson, Patty Mills, Paul They guys have been playing now. good
1: lately. They've been playing good. The role players
0: have been playing so good. Old. If I'm going to say about the Lakers, I got to say the same thing about the Nets. Like, yo, you got to infuse some youth. You let Spencer Dinwiddie go. And I'm just like, how long are you going to get by with Patty Mills? How many times, even with the Rockets, Dexter, what would they say in the playoffs with James Harden? He was worn out. You got to put him off ball. Stop bringing up the ball. And if you're not going to do the Ben Simmons Kyrie, hello, the other trade I've been saying you got John Wall sitting on the bench in Houston. Make a trade. Bring him on the team. Let him run point. Again, you don't need him to shoot. You don't really need him to even get to the rack as much. You just need a point guard to give some, take some of that pressure off of James Harden and Kevin Durant having to have the ball in their hands. But I think that they are actually an old roster as well. And I think you may see them break down down there. And don't get me talking about Bruce Brown; he was awful in the playoffs. Some I mean, am his decision making, I don't like him. <laughs>
1: All right, we'll see what the we'll see with the Brooklyn Nets and some of these older teams. All right, last thing before I get you out of here, Jamoke. Uh, there's been a debate among our uh, friend group in through the Backpack Broadcasting, just for sport, seven footers, Bros Five community, myself, you. Yeah, we- uh, others, uh, we had a comment here on Patty Mills. Patty has easily been one of the best pickups for the Nets this season. He's so fast in either end. I don't like. I don't feel like his age shows in the court. He's been good. I think he's been good as a role player. Thanks for watching, Big Teeth. We appreciate you. I think he's been he good as a role good. player. He has been he's good. He's been good. We're talking and, about he could break down, and it's a Big Teeth's point. He's been huge to have him on there, especially with Kyrie being out. It's, that yeah. signing looks so good by Sean yeah. Marks. Shine that shiny looks so good. Okay, maybe Big Teeth will be interested in this what we're talking about. There's been this debate this happened on, we did, I think it was an opening night, we did an NBA Exchange live show we talked about some stuff and up came a debate that has been long standing between my boy Gerard Hector and my boy Jamal Murphy and Jamal K is now controlling this debate which I absolutely love on social media and that is Larry Bird versus Kevin Durant. Now shout out to Bleach Report for one thing because they did this whole video, animated video where they actually had Larry Bird versus Kevin Durant. I have not watched it in its entirety. Didn't I know see you that? Yeah, I still haven't watched it. I still haven't watched it. But I know you did, and I think it validated what we feel that Kevin Durant is a better player than Larry Bird. And if Kevin Durant went one-on-one with Larry Bird, both players in their prime, Kevin Durant will give him the business. Right? I, I, like, I think so. And our producer Greg has brought up the uh, animated video from Bleach Report. Again, shout out to Bleach Report for this. Uh, this debate has been interesting. It's gotten, uh, it's gotten a lot of people's heart rate up, Chimoke. People yeah. have felt very impassioned about this. Make the case so the people know why you're rocking with Katie over Larry Bird. Kevin
0: Durant, let's just go over the nicknames. Durantula, KD, Slim Reaper, Easy Money Sniper, The Servant, Green Room. I mean, some of those I'd never Green heard.
1: Room. Of. I never heard that. I before. never heard that one. Is that, are, you, are you looking on basketball reference? Yeah, I was. Yeah. I was They, they always have some they always have some nicknames. I'm like, where did that come if from? did that, that before. Yeah. Okay. Larry Bird was not
0: athletic. Let's just start right there, okay? Not athletic. Huh? Can he stick <laughs> the <talk>? athletic? <laughs> he, I mean, come on. I mean, if you want to say for uh I don't even want to say for a white player, no, he just simply was not athletic. He could shoot the three, and okay, you could say he could play defense, but back then the game wasn't as fast as it is today. The players weren't as athletic as they are today. Kevin Durant with his okay, spoiler alert. For anybody who's like, oh, let me go watch it and see who won. I'm giving you the spoiler alert. Kevin Durant won the game because at the end it was like, okay, they went back and forth and you could tell whoever was doing the animation was like, yo, we got to give Larry some help. We got to kind of let Katie get in there and get a few points and make fun of each other. In the end, what it came down to was Larry Bird was trying to drive. There we go. He's trying to make his little layup. And then Kevin Durant was just like, oh, yeah, because y'all act like I can't play defense. Well, yo, I can play defense. And he swats Larry Bird's ball
1: into the rafters.
0: That's what would happen every single time. There's no way Larry Bird has the athletic ability. He can't cross up Kevin Durant. All he can do is step back and shoot threes. That's it. There's no way he wins the game. It's ridiculous.
1: I agree with you. Um, however, you know, there are other people who don't agree with you and they're very passionate about it and and we hope to, I hope these debates continue and I hope Bleacher Report puts more animated stuff because I feel like I think people need to see it in some way. I know it's made up, I know it's animated, but I'm not sure you're thinking about the possibilities. And, I would like to put out the point for my man, Gerard Hector, who is on the same side as Jamalke and I, with that KD is better than Bird. If you were had all these players on the court in their prime, and you were going to take just purely on talent, not accomplishments, talent, you were going to look at these players warming up on the court in their prime, all the best players. I find it very hard, very hard to believe you're probably going past maybe five players before you get to Kevin Durant and I'm just yeah. here to say one of the players is not going to be Larry Bird yeah. I'm not saying Larry Bird wouldn't be picked in probably the top 10 or 15 I'm not I'm not doubting that at all I'm just saying you look at Kevin Durant you see the height you see the shooting ability you see the handles the defense that Jamoke noted come on man come, come on. on and
0: by the way as we both when well, we all have noted in our debates, so and you can look at it too uh Kevin Durant has a better career three-point shooting percentage than Larry Bird. So the one thing that everybody's like, oh, but Larry Bird, shoot the three. Bottom line
1: is he didn't. He didn't when he was playing, right? I mean, come on. Bottom line is. Well, so, and and th- th- their argument would be, well, it was the error. You did not shoot as many threes. And then people are going to go through the weak argument. It's like, well, he won that, that, that three-point contest one time and turned around. If That's I th- right. Don't <laughs> give me no three-point contest. Don't right. give me no yeah. three-point contest. Come on. And, and and I'm sorry. Like, I love my man Slide. I know it's been his argument. But he saved the league. Saving the league doesn't count. It's not it's to do that's, it. Not, that's, that's not to do with talent. Like, we're not... That's not it. Like, come on. Yep. That's not it. Let's that's, that's not go. All right. Kevin, Kevin Durant over Larry Bird. Come on. Y'all know. Y'all, you, you know what it is. You know what it is. I'm sure this debate will continue. I'm sure there'll be other players to talk about. For sure, Jamoke. You know that. But Jamoke... Uh, thanks uh, thank you do you want to stay around with me you want to take a break and come back and do some picks with me you want to do some yeah, picks so with me
0: I'm good with that. Yeah. alright
1: we're going to keep Jamocha to do the NBA picks let's we'll see if he likes my picks for tonight we'll take a break Uh, we're going to show you a teaser of the upcoming episode of the Sports Walk which will be premiering at 12 o'clock at noon Matthew Robeson writer from the Daily News he took the Sports Walk this week so you'll get a little step into that and when we come back we're going to give our NBA picks for tonight alright all that when we come back on the NBA exchange. As a
0: public health, we have no more time for alternative ideas. Like you should be listening to the people who are experts who are trying to help us get out of this. For something as serious as COVID, it's not beneficial to anyone. So don't listen to Aaron Rodgers. Don't listen to Kyrie. Get your shots, please. I mean, get this fucking over with. Seattle's a basketball town in a lot of ways. There's a lot of NBA players from the area. The only thing we need now is a team to kind of tie the bow back on everything. And that's when I think the city will sort of elevate again. I think you start from the ground up, get the Sonic's name back, and just, you know, do the whole thing all over again with the idea that, like, this is here to stay. You should still be able to root for your favorite team without worrying about how it's going to affect the part of your brain that has to do it for a job.
1: Welcome back to the NBA Exchange. Here with my man Jamoke Davis for the Just for Sport podcast. Please check that podcast out. Hit the subscribe button on all streaming platforms. You can check that out. Jamoke, uh, this is the last part of the show where I usually give my NBA picks for tonight. I pick three games that I like, uh, I think would be good to bet on. And, you know, we'll see what you think about. Here's my first game. I know they say don't bet for the team that has your heart, the team you might have rooted for a little bit. You should probably stay away. But My first game of the night is the New York Knicks versus the Philadelphia 76ers. The line for this, the line might have changed. So I want to check this because some information just came out and I'm going to check this right now to make sure that the line has not changed on this. Information that came out was the Sixers are not going to have Joel Embiid tonight. He will be sitting out do the rest. Uh, a little bit shocked about that. This is a back-to-back for the Knicks. I thought the Sixers would uh, have play Embiid tonight, but Embiid is sitting out. The Sixers, at the time of seeing this before, they were favored by three and a half points. I've now seen that line has actually gone up to four and a half favoring the Sixers, which is disrespectful to the Knicks. I don't <laughs> like it at all. But hey, if the Knicks are the underdog, bang this, I'm be- take the Knicks. The Knicks got a tongue-lashing, Jamoke, I'm sure, from Tom Thibodeau last night. Did you see this, Jamoke? Ricky Rubio was hitting threes all over the place, looking like yeah, Steph Curry? Yeah. Man, ridiculous. Yeah. It was just absolutely ridiculous. I, whether Embiid was playing or not, I actually like the Knicks here. I was like, look, take the Knicks uh, straight up to win. I think it's a, I think it's a good bet for you here with the Knicks straight up to win. It's only plus 100 on the money line, but hey. It's, it, you know, you're getting pretty good odds there, decent odds there, I can say. You know, almost even money getting it there. Take the Knicks. I like the Knicks even more. Without Embiid, the Knicks played them well last time in a fantastic victory at home. They did a great job of shutting down Embiid with the physicality of the centers. I just think the Knicks bounce back. This is a back-to-back for them. Short trip down I-95 to Philly. They get the job done and they bounce back. What do you think? Knicks, Sixers, how are you betting this one, Jamoke?
0: Joel Embiid being out, I think, I would take the Knicks. I feel like Ricky Rubio. If, you know what I'm saying? Players just have one of those games, right?
1: Right. right. Sometimes, Sometimes it just happens. Yeah.
0: Bad defense, just,
1: right? Well, the Knicks weren't playing bad defense. It just this guy just went crazy. It happens. I couldn't even yeah. be mad
0: at it. Without Joel Embiid, I mean, I'm seeing on on DraftKings at plus one for the Knicks. Now it just changed to now
1: changed. Okay, one and a
0: half. I would take the Knicks. I definitely would take the Knicks.
1: Okay. Uh, You're with, you with me on, on the Knicks for this I'm one. For that one. Yeah. Uh, okay. You're with me on the Knicks for this one. All right. My next game Nets versus Chicago Bulls. Now, the line for this was interesting to me. The Bulls at home, their favor minus one and a half, right? I'm, I think it's a little bit too much res- respect for the Bulls. The Bulls, six and three. The Nets, seven and three. Nets have been playing well. They're putting their five game winning streak on the line. I still do not trust the Bulls defense, I do not trust that defense. At all whatsoever. Jamoke, the Nets have been playing well. The role players have been playing well. I know you're concerned about the age. The Nets plus one on five on the money line uh here. I would take the Nets with the points. Give me the Nets and the points. I would take them if you want to bet the spread, but I also would be willing to take the Nets straight up here. I don't think the Bulls get this done at home. I just think the Nets are playing good. I think they have a lot to prove after their slow start. Five in a row. They want to keep it going. They, like the Sixers, Jamoke, want to Mm -hmm. show they can get things done without Kyrie. Give me the Nets with the points. I'd even be willing to take him straight up on this one. Give me the Nets over the Bulls here tonight. What do you say? I think it's easy to take the Nets
0: only because it's plus one and a half. But I can see the Bulls winning this game. They've lost two in a row. I like their roster with Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball, luckily, he just barely. For real, Joel Embiid's
1: punch really hit his hair. It didn't hit him. Oh, that was crazy. I I forgot to bring that up in the weekend. That was crazy. It hit his hair. Do you think think Embiid should have got a tech for that? I didn't think he should have got a tech for that. No, because it's like – it's not like it's ridiculous
0: for for the referees to be like, oh, he was throwing a punch. No, he, it was like throwing it at the air. He was not in any way trying yeah. to get Lonzo Ball. That was an accident. Yeah. You know what I'm If Lonzo Ball went down on the ground it was making a big deal, maybe. But I just realistically – I like Lonzo Ball. I, I think DeMar DeRozan was a good pickup. This is a completely different team. Zach Levine is an all-star. Nikola Vucevic, I think he will give – The Nets trouble on the inside. They got them old heads
1: for the (laughs) Nets. I actually like the Bulls in this game. Okay, you like the Bulls? You're taking the Bulls outright. Yeah, I'm taking the Bulls. Taking the Bulls outright. Okay. And our last game of the night, Hawks versus the Warriors. Now we talked about this game a little bit before. Warriors are three and a half favorites in this contest. The Hawks, man, they are on a torturous 12 day, seven game run. They're playing some of the best teams in the NBA, starting. With the Warriors, right? And so is this just a tough stretch? You talked about how you don't like the Hawks. They're not looking good. The Warriors are on a back-to-back. They just won last night to improve to eight and one. I think if you're the Hawks, though, right? You kind of want to start this trip up good. Oh, good. You know what I mean? Because the next <laughs> next up for them, listen to this. At Utah, at Denver, never an easy place to play. Yeah. Then uh, head home to play against the Bucks, right, who they're going to try to get healthier and better now with Drew Holiday back. The Warriors actually might be their most winnable game or the best matchup for them. I think this is a game they have to have. I don't love how they've been playing, but I think they might be able to catch the Warriors here on a back-to-back. I think they might be able to figure something out here. They better figure something out here. Minus three and a half. I don't really love betting the line here in terms of things for the Hawks. I'm not really thrilled about doing that because I could see this being a really close game. However, plus 115 to take the Hawks. I think they come out inspired. I think you see uh, Trey Young inspired to show Steph Curry that he's not the only light-skinned person in the league that can shoot that well. He's out here to do that. I like the Hawks. I'm going to take the Hawks here with the upset straight up I'll take the Hawks. I think they catch the Warriors on a back-to-back and eat out a close win. What do you say?
0: I could see that scenario because of the back-to-back that maybe the Warriors are just struggling, you know, or, you know, I don't want to say they take a night off, but I just can't bet against Golden State. I think this is one of those games where if it wasn't the point guard matchup of Trey Young versus Steph Curry... I can see what you're saying. I feel like both of them are going to be shooting from half court (laughs) the entire game. I mean, but I just think Golden State at home, trying to finish up a big homestand before they go on the road, I I think that the Golden State Warriors are just playing too well for the Hawks. And the Hawks have lost three in a row. They may be without John Collins. That's a big loss of John Collins. I know he's day-to-day, but if he doesn't play, I definitely think you go with the Hawks. So just watch you know, Watch that forgot about John before you make your pick.
1: Yeah, I forgot to mention that. With him being day-to-day, I'm a little bit uh, concerned about that. I, w- I would feel better because I think they'll be motivated to start. Th- I think the Hawks will play. They'll show you some fight tonight. It's yeah, a tough one. I think they'll show you some fight three in a row, like Jamoke said. I think they show some fight tonight. We'll see how they do. Big Teeth, thanks for sticking with us. He says the refs are going to have an effect on the Nets' Bulls tonight with the amount of no-calls Harden gets now. He gets straight coddled in the paint and still gets nothing. Now, look, here. Gerard and I talked about this last Wednesday. And I don't know how you feel. I- I've liked the way the game has been called better. I have seen some bad calls on Harden, though. I've seen Harden get smacked in the face a couple times. It's not the it's not more so on the perimeter. It's Harden going to the basket. Where I've seen, and this happened to Trey Young, too. I think both of them hunted fouls, which I haven't loved. But I have seen the refs not give them the calls going to the basket where I've seen them get hit in the face. Hit across yep. the arm where it's like, all right, come on. You got to call that. I like the better. I like them eliminating the hunting fouls. But Harden has had a gripe on a few. The problem is those guys been hunting fouls for so long, Ain't nobody feeling bad for them. No. <laughs> ain't nobody feeling. Except, except for the people like Big T for rooting for the Nets. I understand, bro. I get it. I understand. I'm not even shaming you for that. How, how have you liked the way the game's been called, Jamoka? You been feeling that? I mean, I just think
0: they went a little far realistically, there are only two plays that they should have been paying attention to. And Trey Young and James Harden were the master of it. When Trey Young would bring the ball up and all of a sudden he stopped and then the defender would run over him, that play needed to stop. And and they aren't the only two, but basically when you're shooting a three or any shot and you kind of lean into the defender when you know realistically they were going straight up, those are the only two calls you really need to concern yourself with. You know, going to the basket, I don't think that there was ever a situation where the the James Harden or Trey or, any, or John Wall was famous for that, too. They should have been getting those calls. They should continue to get those calls. So I don't like that. Just like you said, I don't like what's happening at the rim. But I do think that, you know, the, the calls outside the paint, the way that Trey Young was stopping in the middle of the court and getting the player to run over him. I didn't like those kind of flopping plays. So. You know, overall, I'd say 80% of me is good with it, but I do want to see the old James Harden. I'm, I just feel like it's weird to see that he's not averaging close to 30 points a game. I, it's just weird.
1: Yeah, it, it it is weird. Like, Yeah, I think they've gone a little bit too far with the stuff at the rim. That's been my problem. That's definitely – while I've loved the way the flow of the game has been, I've been a little bit annoyed about that. Even watching some other games, I've been annoyed for other players. So we'll see. All right, that's it for this edition of the NBA Exchange. Uh, thanks to our guest uh, who stuck with us for a long time, Jamoke a. Davis. Please catch him, as I said, on the Just for Sport podcast. Subscribe to that as well. Want to remind everybody, we run the Patreon commercial in here. It ain't easy, it ain't cheap to create your own content. You got to support us. Some support, become a patron. This is how we're able to produce this good content. We do a backpack broadcasting, the Props Network. Any bit of support helps. There's different levels of patronage that you can go. And I want to thank you to the people that actually do support us right now, uh, our patrons that we have that support us. This is one of the benefits they get. They get their name to come up in the credits because <laughs> they give us a little bit of support. That helps us to be able to create the content that we're able to create. So, for my man Jamoke Davis, I'm Dexter Henry. We will see y'all on Wednesday NBA with Nuance Edition of the NBA Exchange. Until then, peace, y'all.